Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. Good morning. My name is Mike, one of our pastors here uh, and on staff. And I have the privilege of sharing our last message of 2018. Uh, Pastor Todd didn't give me a theme, so that's pretty dangerous for you. Uh, And so he just said, share what's on your heart. So as I've been Thinking about it, a lot of us are super reflective at this time of year, um, making decisions about, oh, what, what do I need to change in my life? What do I, adjustments do I need to make? And, you know, I have those every year. I, I don't know how many times I've vowed to lose weight, and um, to, this year's another chance. Uh, so, in fact, at our high school retreat, I injured my biceps tendon doing an old man move on Nathaniel Lontok, and I ruptured my biceps tendon, had surgery, and almost immediately I gained like 15 pounds. Because people in my family, where we find comfort is, hand me a cookie, maybe hand me two, please. Uh, We need comfort. And so What I'm going to talk about this morning is not so much about our resolve, but where do we find refuge? Because all of us have a need to find refuge. Uh, We have all experienced brokenness and loss and redemption at different times in our story and in different ways and different severity. Um, But God is good. And so this, this passage came to me, I've been, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, I started trying to fast just for breakfast. I don't know if I'm man enough to fast for more than that right now. Um, So that's what God led me to do. That's what I did. And I did coffee for a little bit. I was only grouchy for the first day. Is that right, Corey? Okay, first day. I was grouchy. Um, But I wanted to, it's like, Lord, I need you to break through. And so I I became expectant, partially because of uh, Ken Thomas in our church, He's like, God's going to do some miracles in this church. And he, told, he shared that with me about five, six weeks ago. And I was like, you know what? We, we serve and we follow the God of miracles. And it's high time for me to expect him to do and be who he says he is. So this passage came out of that time of just reading scripture. And I was actually, it talked about uh, where we take refuge. And it hit me because of my own story. Not because I thought, oh, this would be so good for so-and-so. <laughs> this was good for me. And so, and so we're going to jump partway into Isaiah 57. And it's a little clunky because I'm starting mid-verse and there's a lot before it. And we're not going to talk about all that, but I'll summarize. Uh, prior to this in Isaiah 57... God is talking to the Israelites, and he wants them to be close to him. He says, but you continually have made your own way, and you refuse to come near me. You always trust in your idols, and they never deliver you, and they're not gonna in the future. (laughs) They have no ability to save you. 
So in Isaiah 57, I'll pick it up there, and we're going to read it slowly because I want, we're going to talk about what we learn about God's heart from this. So as I read this, pay attention to what you hear and see about God's heart. And actually, let's pray for God to illuminate his word. Father, you're good. You speak. Your word never goes out without accomplishing what you desire it to accomplish. So we ask that you would awaken us today. You would get past our defenses, past our distraction, past our hurt and our pain, so that we would be open to you and your voice and your word. Would your word speak well beyond what is said in this service? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we go. We pick it up in 57. Whoever takes refuge in me will inherit the land and possess my holy mountain. And it will be said, build up, build up. Prepare the road. Remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. So I'm going to say that one more time. This is in the context of people wanting to do things their own way, insisting on it. Whoever takes refuge in me will inherit the land and possess my holy mountain. And it will be said, build up, build up, prepare the road. Remove obstacles out of the way of my people. For this is what the high and lofty one, oops. For this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. I'm going to just emphasize the ending there again. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. I will not accuse them forever, nor will I always be angry. For then they would faint away because of me, the very people I have created. I was enraged by their sinful greed. I punished them and hid my face in anger. Yet they kept on in their willful ways. I have seen their ways, but I will heal them. I will guide them and restore and comfort to Israel's mourners creating praise on their lips. Peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. But the wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast upon mire and mud. There is no peace, says God, for the wicked. So as we hear this, hopefully today, uh, we're going to really focus on what it means for God to be our refuge. I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to try to be honest, but I don't want to create uh, legalism or crisis based on what we do. That's not the point of this. The big idea, our, our New Year's revolution, begins with where we go for refuge. And in a room like this, we need to be mindful that um, we have people all over the spectrum of how much brokenness they've experienced to how much redemption and healing they've experienced. We're all in different spots. God wants to bring refuge to each of us, though. 
and it will mean different things. Our stories are not over. And so as we think about a new year, some of us, that's really good news. Yep, see you later, 2018. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Some of you had a great year, and it's time again to seek the Lord and find refuge in Him. The fundamental questions we need to face are, can we trust the heart of God? No matter what your story's been, can we trust His heart? Because God will restore all things in due time, someday. Someday, all that has been lost and broken and torn will be restored. That is the hope that we hold to. That is part of the gospel. That is part of salvation. Fullness, rightness, wholeness. Beautiful. (laughs) We need that. Can I trust the heart of God today in my story? Can we trust him to answer us in our time of need? Those are real questions. Because the reality is, we use a lot of things for our refuge. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about this, that. But I also, and at the end, we'll pray. Um, we'll pray for those, especially that have experienced the heaviness of loss and brokenness. Um, God is alive. He is not blind. The story is not over. So let's look at his heart, because we need to trust him. So what we see in this ver- these verses, he desires to be a refuge. It says, everyone who makes me a refuge, everyone, even people that don't deserve him at all, like me. I do not deserve his love. I do not deserve his sonship. I do not deserve restoration. He gives beyond what I have merited. If he was going to be fair, he would give me judgment. But he gives sonship. He gives refuge. So this is the heart of God. This is what he wants to give is refuge in our storms. And so I don't care what you have done. There's not anyone who is beyond God being their refuge. So hear that today. Everyone who makes God their refuge, he will answer. And if you, if you uh, don't hear anything else today, I, I went to counseling for the first time this week, and there's a little sign that said, God is okay with 180s or U-turns. So if it, wherever you've been in your story, everyone who seeks him can find refuge in him. So then what else do we learn about his heart? He desires to give rich inheritance. So we saw that at the beginning. You know, everyone who makes me their refuge will inherit the land. And the land partly was about his wealth, but really it was about identity and belonging. So these were the people. God took Abram, just a guy. You're going to be my people. And so the land was connected to that inheritance. And it meant more identity of being with God, probably than anything else. He will, give, he will make a good road and remove obstacles. So that's something I pray for people all the time, is if, if we take a tiniest step toward the Lord, would he just build up the road, build it up, remove obstacles and make a way? I believe his heart wants to do that for you and I as we move toward him. 
then we consider his vastness. He said, I live in a high and holy place, but I also dwell with the lowly and the contrite. So he is with us in our brokenness. He wants to be with us. This is his heart. And what does he want to do? He wants to revive the spirit and revive the heart. You know, I pretend to be outdoorsy and hiking sometimes. And one of my things I love to do actually is to pray for people when I can't breathe well, which right now would be the whole hike. But um, certain points in hikes, I pray, God, would you come into their struggle? Would you break through? Would you make a way? But picture being out of breath and then picture being revived with strength. So let's just picture those two things. Picture being tired and out of strength, out of breath. And then what would it look like to be revived? To have renewal of spirit and strength. That's what God wants to give you. That is his heart toward you and I in our struggle. So because of God's heart and, uh, and because of, partly because of the faith of others, uh, I believe this year God wants to revive spirits and revive hearts. And what would it look like in my life, in your life, in our community, if we saw God revive spirits and revive hearts? People that were exhausted and tired found renewal and strength. Could we, could we dream about that? Could we expect him to do those things? He's alive. So these glimpses of his heart, that God sees us, he sees all of us, he sees my ways, and my ways include lots of broken ways. I have taken lots of neutral things and tried to go to a pattern of comfort. That's what I want to talk about is a pattern of comfort, not just a behavior. Do you see the difference there? We could take a neutral thing like food, and I could go to a pattern of comfort and then I have a pattern for my clothes. Uh, but we have these patterns that we develop of trying to find comfort on our own. And, and so God sees me. He sees my ways. And some ways are really broken in our communities and in my life. What does he want to do? If we look back in the verses, it says he wants to heal. So that's part of our, our mission statement. Uh, we believe that God wants to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. He wants to also bring it to you. <laughs> You're part of the community. And so if there is things that you need healing and hope in, I believe he wants to do that. That does not mean it removes all pain and trial. But he will bring hope into the middle of darkness. One of the ideas I've held on to this year is darkness is as light to God. It could, the world could be dark, but it's just like light to him. My darkness, he sees right through it. He sees everything about me, and he doesn't want to just reject me. He wants me to have healing. Does that make sense? I find that really encouraging. It's not just about judgment, but he wants to bring real life. And that's why the difference between a New Year's resolution and finding refuge in God. The other thing is he sees our fatigue— 
we look at our culture, we are frantic people. Buying, spending, connecting, 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 liking, following, unfollowing, uh, whatever it might be, streaking on Snapchat or whatever it is. There's, I don't even know. <laughs> but it's not enough. We're frantic and it's not enough. God sees that and what does he want to speak over it? He wants to speak peace, peace. That word is shalom. So that's where we get the idea of wholeness in our mission statement. Same idea. God speaks peace over our franticness. He wants to bring life, wholeness. Man, are we ready for that? So as we look at the new year, can I encourage us to look at where we go for refuge? And this is our pattern of refuge, okay? Not just isolated behaviors. I'm talking about our patterns of refuge. So refuge is a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. Whoever takes refuge in me is the invitation. He wants to bring safety and security into our stories. Now that does not mean pain-free, which is very anti-American of me to say. (laughs) We are very comfort-driven, very comfort-driven. But he will be with us no matter what our story is. Um, so let me, let me look at a few things. Well, how do we make God a refuge? So the very short answer, you might check out, I have a tendency to put some people to sleep. I see you out there. Um, and, I, and there's mercy and grace. I've been there myself. So um, the short answer is how do I make God my refuge is to trust him. It's to trust. That is the highest family value that he has. Uh, If I want to make God my refuge, I need to trust him. And maybe the most important skill that I don't have in my own life is going to God for comfort. 16 years ago, my dad and my uncle, his brother, they had inherited my favorite place in the whole world. It was my grandfather's cabin on the Puget Sound. And uh, one acre, bunch of waterfront. Some people didn't like it because it was a cliff. I love this place. I spent hundreds of hours of casting for fish I never caught. Never even saw them, but I believe they were there. Uh, I learned how to light fires. And I, just, I saw my first satellites up in the sky at night. My uncle said, hey, that's a satellite. I was like, what is that? Yeah, that's moving. You know, I remembered this was a place I loved deeply. And my, my dad and his brother, because of life circumstances, they sold it. And I was mad. <laughs> they took my, my safety, my refuge. They took it. And my sister said to me at that moment, and this is why this verse pierced my heart this week. She said to me 16 years ago, Mike, you need to make God your refuge. That place was never your refuge. It was a gift along the way. But you need to make God your refuge. And you know what? I haven't done that yet 
And so this message is for me this year. I want to make God my refuge in 2019. And we're going to look a little bit more what that means. But one of the skills I want to encourage you to have is to let God comfort you in your story. So that means when you're hurting, you go to him for comfort. You don't just go to a friend first. And he will use people. But if you never bring people into him, that's just not how it works. And so if you're always connected but never enough, welcome to the club. It is rampant in the United States right now. We are lonely, but we're very connected. So I think how we correct that is making God our refuge and taking, asking him to comfort me. And he knows the perfect way to do that. He knows you. He likes you. He wants to be your refuge. So, quick verse. We're not going to look at it, but this is one of uh, my life passages. My wife and I, we had this at our wedding, Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. And just I'll paraphrase. The cursed is the one who trusts in their own strength. They're going to be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. 100% true at some point in your life. I just want to be an honest friend. Trust in yourself. It's going to lead to dryness and, and unfruitfulness, not flourishing. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. They'll be like a tree planted by the water whose leaves are always green and never fails to bear fruit. Beautiful distinction there. You can trust God, and as you trust him, he brings life for you to flourish. A little bit of a humorous story. When, I, when we lived in Montana for just a year, we went out to go cut a Christmas tree, and we found the best tree I have ever had. It was a beautiful spruce. We're out tromping around in the woods, and we've seen all these scraggly little things, and then we see whew, right there, beautiful. It's like, why hasn't anybody cut this? And so we cut it, we take it, take it home, and uh, then we read our paper later. It says, do not cut any trees closer than 100 feet to a stream. And this poor tree was beautiful right on the stream bank. <laughs> I wish you could see it. It was beautiful. But it is true. It was symmetrical. It was flourishing because of where it was and where it found life. Those who trust in the Lord flourish. It's 100% true. As you trust in the Lord, you will flourish. That doesn't mean your story looks the way you want it to, but the way God made you will flourish. So some things that help us with this trust are to be honest about our fears, my schemes and my way. Fears and control are directly related so if you struggle with control, what you probably struggle with is fear. And to just really inspect, all right, what am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? Can I bring God into this pain? Can I bring him into this thing that terrifies me? Can I trust his heart? Will he leave me alone? No. He will be with you to strengthen you and help you. Every hard thing a person did in Scripture, he said, you know, go do it by yourself if you're not tough enough. No, he said, go and I will be with you. 
Go, and I will be with you. Go, and I will be with you. So let's be honest about our fears. Uh, When we're not, everyone else can see how they steer our lives. They can. They're like giant rudders just turning our, our ship of our life. Fears really control us, and they cause us to run. Run into broken places often. Well, then there's my schemes and my way. Uh, that's the other thing is I just need to be honest. So our poor high schoolers have heard us talk about technology and uh, being alone. And we, we didn't, we're not trying to condemn a thing, connectivity. What we're trying to do is be honest. And be honest about all things. Let me pick a, an unpopular one for adults. Alcohol. <laughs> Uh, as a source of comfort. It's convenient, it's quick, but it's not satisfying. It doesn't give us what we need. I've struggled with that in my life. So I'm not trying to throw rocks. I'm trying to say, let's be honest. Let's make God our refuge. Let's go to him for comfort. This is a pattern of comfort I'm talking about, not legalism, not saying anything about that. Same with this. But let's be honest about what we do. Um, The other thing is to run. (laughs) Sometimes we need to run to our refuge. We need to run away from some things and run to the refuge of God. So I really loved football in high school. Loved it. I wasn't all that great. I was a lot better in my head and in my little make-believe stories that I always pretended since I was young, uh, scoring the winning score and whatnot. I made zero scores. So anyway, that's... Uh... But I love the game, and there came a point where I was done. I was done with this thing I loved. And, and then I went to college, and uh, I became a follower of Jesus. And later that year... At the University of Washington, and by the way, just wanted to Husky Rose Bowls coming up. Um, anyway, uh, that's why I was dressed so nice today. I did uh, cheer for the Cougs and other teams as well, so I just want you to know I'm not, it's no longer my refuge. It's a gift. So I love football, and I was actually offered a position to, to coach as a student assistant at the University of Washington. And that was shortly after they had won the national title, just a couple months. This was back right after electricity was invented, for those of you who don't remember when the Huskies were good. Um, But that was my old refuge, and in my heart I knew I wasn't ready. And so I did not take that position. And I just said, all right, I need you, Lord. I want you more than I want football. Now, the beauty of that is some things come back to us, and we're going to talk about gifts, and Coach Shaq is in here somewhere. That guy is awesome. Give him a hug next time you see him. Um, But there's just been, so he and I were able to start a lineman camp, and it's mostly him, Uh, but things I love have come back to me. You know, football, I still love it, but it's not my refuge anymore. It's just a gift. So we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about gifts and maybe ways we've misused them. But some of us need to run away from something and run in to God's refuge. And then can we trust his heart to heal us?
So the, the side note I want to talk about is we have most likely misused relationships or misused a gift to try to find comfort. And so um, the first thing I want you to encourage you to do is if you've done that, you talk to God about it. There isn't necessarily a legalistic play for you to do. You have to do this. I want you to talk to the Lord about it and follow him. Um, talk to God first about what you need to do. So I, I just really want to, I'm sensitive toward legalism because I don't like it. Uh, and at the same time, I want to be honest and truthful. Does that make sense? There's just a hard tension to hold there. But put them in the proper place. They're gifts. So God puts gifts into my hand and he takes them out. They're just a gift. They're never intended to give life. They can't do it. Only he can give life. So he puts gifts in, he takes them out. So I put, basically, I need to open my hand to my gifts that he's given. And then bring God into the center. So one, a little quote I have from C.S. Lewis in his, it's called Letters to Malcolm on Prayer. It's a short uh, quote here, but it talks about viewing gifts as coming from God and not just giving him thanks, but worshiping him because of he's the one that made this thing that's awesome to you. So praise him for it. So let me read this. Pleasures are shafts of glory as it strikes our sensibility. But aren't there bad, unlawful pleasures? Certainly there are. But in calling them bad pleasures, I take it we are using a kind of shorthand. We mean pleasures snatched by unlawful acts. That's what we mean by bad pleasures. Pleasures, good things, snatched by unlawful acts. It is, not the, it is the stealing of the apples that is bad, not the sweetness. The sweetness is still a beam from glory. I have tried since to make every pleasure into a channel of adoration. I don't simply mean giving thanks for it. One, of course, must give thanks. But I meant something different. Gratitude exclaims very properly, how good of God to give me this. Adoration says, what must be the quality of that being whose far off and momentary coruscations are like this? All right, raise your hand if you know what coruscations means. I had to look that up. Uh, it means a flash or glitter of light. So this little blip on this creator's screen led to this gift, the sweetness of an apple. Man, he must be amazing. He made this thing I love. Does that make sense? It's not just giving thanks. It's adoring him through it. And so our struggle comes in taking gifts and sometimes taking them in broken ways. You know, I, I would say when we, anyway, there's all kinds of things we do that are very broken. And I don't need to say them. You know, <laughs> I know. Um, the things are still good because they come from God. But he is our refuge. That's the big point. All right, so how do I make God my refuge? Trust uh, looks like rest. So when we are trusting him, we rest in who we really are. Uh, it's not frantic. There's peace. When we are trusting God, there is peace. Doesn't mean there's peace only, but there's a handful of peace. There's a measure of peace. 
um, trust looks like rest. Can I rest in my heart about my story? That's a tough thing to ask. And, you know, being someone who hasn't experienced the, the depths of brokenness, it's easier for me to ask from this part. And I have a lot of compassion and empathy for those whose story has been very traumatic. But can you and I rest in our hearts about our story? The story isn't over. It's not over. And it won't end when my life ends. (laughs) We rise to life because Jesus went first. And he is going to restore all things that are broken. So can I rest in my heart about my story? Can I rest in my heart about my identity? There have been some really loud voices in our lives trying to tell us who we are and what we're worth and that there's things about us that are unlovely, that are annoying, that are weird. Is that the voice of God? (laughs) Who says who we are isn't worthy? It's probably people trying to compare one another to themselves. But God knows you, and he made you, and he likes you. So let me, uh, I'm going to actually, I was going to save this for the end. This is a good section. These are arrows from our fall retreat with the high schoolers. Let me, uh, I'll put it down front here. Love for you to come hold them and look at them. The idea came from reading a book uh, called The Last Arrow by Erwin McManus, where he's, the very beginning, he's just blessing his kids, telling them to fly true to who God made them to be, to take ground, go farther than I've ever gone. All of you, in your identity, God fashioned you the way he wanted you to be. He likes the arrow he made in you. Now, we shared this idea. Uh, Corey and Ami and I came up with the idea of our students decorating the arrow with things of their story, painful, joyful, things they love, things that they want to do, and share their story. But our call to them is to fly true. That is resting in your identity, being true to who you really are, remembering who you really are, flying true. So we shared that idea with Ken Thomas, and I'm thinking like wooden dowels from Fred Meyer, and Ken goes home and he takes square stock wood, turns every arrow shaft, puts a knock on it, puts a tip on it, puts fletching on it, glazes it or whatever you call that. Um, What do you call that? Shellac something. Uh, Varnishes it, and we we have a picture of God has called you to be someone. It's a beautiful thing. So come up and take a look at these. And we're, we're keeping them as a group because when we shared that idea, Ken's, Ken that day had read, God made me a select arrow and has hidden me in his quiver. God made you a select arrow. He made you the way he wanted to. And he's like, man, I put Bennett 
right there. I'm going to let him rip. So would you rest in your identity? Would you wear it again? Would you believe that it's good? All right, can I rest in my heart about my worth? This is the struggle of my life. (laughs) I have struggled with worth. Struggled that God loves me. Struggled with worth. Struggled with all kinds of stuff like that. So can I trust him? Can I make him my refuge? And can I rest that what he says about me is true? All right. Lastly, we're going to land the plane here. So sorry uh, sorry for some, maybe. (laughs) But encouragement for those who are ready to land. Um, How do I make God my refuge? Lastly, we stand on the hope of his promises. His word is alive and it's active. I find refuge when I find him in his word, when I hold that word for myself. That is the sword of the spirit. Those are the the scriptures we believe. That is the word of God that advances his kingdom that advances us against an enemy who is opposed to you. So Psalm 1, we're, just jot these down. We're not going to talk about them. I'll just highlight them. Psalm 1, it's similar to Jeremiah. Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord who meditates on it day and night. They will be like a tree planted by the water, green, flourishing. God's word helps us flourish. Pastor Dom's really exhorted us last year to get after it in God's Word, and some of you did. I think I might get last place in our house. (laughs) I did better than I've done in some years, but this is a new year, and keep finding refuge by finding God in His Word. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 is the uh, armor of God, and in that I just referred to it, the sword of the Spirit, And also there's the the shield of faith to put out the flaming arrows. You are under fire. We do not live in the Disneyland of the universe. We have a foe that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's awesome at it. But we have a Savior that lives forever and has crushed death. We have great hope. So there's all kinds of stuff in Ephesians for us to look at. Hebrews 6, 13 through 19, same sort of thing. We have this hope because God promised by himself that he is our hope. And Jesus went behind the curtain forever as our mediator. So we have hope because Jesus is there right now mediating for us. And then 1 Peter 3, 1, 3 through 6, we have this inheritance as a living hope. All this comes from God's Word. There's tons more. And you probably have ones just for you that really revive your heart. So part of how I take refuge is taking refuge in God's Word, and I stand on His promises. So ask Him for a verse for you that speaks to your struggle, your uh, pain. Ask Him for a verse that you can hold on to. He'll give it. I really believe so. So as, we, as I encourage you, some of you aren't there ready. You're not ready to make God your refuge. And it's okay. You still belong. We love you. God loves you. God sees you.
There's way more to life. It's okay. Remember, at any point in your story, God is okay with U-turns. He loves it. You want to turn around? Do it. (laughs) He is A-okay with that. The second thing I'd love for you to hear if you're not ready to make God your refuge is God is. He is the most incredible being that could ever exist. He is. Whether you acknowledge him or I acknowledge him, he still is, and he always will be. He rules over all things. So if you think you're smarter than him, it's okay. He can handle that. He is. And he doesn't need me as a lawyer. (laughs) And he doesn't need you as a lawyer. He is, and he shines brightly. And then the last thing I'd ask if you're not ready is I'd ask you to really ask yourself, are you letting the thief steal, kill, and destroy in your life and in your story? Or distract? Could you be honest about that? Could you ask God to show you what darkness is and what light is? And be honest about it. And you have a Savior who is ready to rumble at any moment if you want it away from the thief. There's no stopping him. And you have a lot of brothers and sisters that can hold hope for you until you're ready to hold it for yourself. Some of you are ready. (laughs) I'm ready. Not all the time. So this is not a a one-time decision for Mike. So today, in this moment, I'm ready to make God my refuge. So let's go for it. Don't worry about failing. You're going to fail. It's going to happen. Don't worry about that. God is far less preoccupied with what you do than with who you are. He wants you to be a son or a daughter who's flourishing, and he will lead you on a great path. Run to him. Run toward him. Run fast into your refuge. Some of you, you need to leave some stuff. Let's do it. Let's go. Like the Israelites leaving Egypt. That was slavery and bondage. They didn't have time for the bread to rise. They had to leave. Boom. Some of us need to leave some things. But then we run to our refuge too. Not just run from stuff. We run to God himself. Pick up your sword. So let's get in the scripture. Let's revive. Let's let God revive our hearts and our spirits by his truth. Healing leads to freedom. Shalom leads to rightness and wholeness. So we go back to God wants, he sees my ways and he wants to bring healing. So some of you uh, aren't in a position to go to counseling. We have healing prayer here. Man, praise God. (laughs) Uh, I want to also say thank you. Our church has provided our family with the best benefits we've had in 7, 20 years. I don't even know. But we're starting to go to counseling because of that. So thank you. If you're in a position where you have benefits to provide for a method of healing like that, and you're ready, can I encourage you just to take advantage of it? To go for it? Why wait? Flourishing is near. Shalom leads to rightness and wholeness. So God also sees our franticness, and he wants to speak peace. Peace. To you and I. Peace to one another. 
And that's where, um, with the arrows, what would it feel like to be who you really are and to soar and to hit the mark that God made you for and to have a season living like that? And there's no better way to live. And we can work together toward wholeness in our community and in lives as we hold hope in, in the broken in between. God is going to finish the story one day. Father, uh, I want to lift up right now those in our church that need you desperately right now. Desperate for a touch of hope, for life, for light to break through. Can we just take a moment of silence and just and pray? Our church, our own body, we have people desperate for God's hope. So can we just intercede as a church silently right now? Lord, I just pray for breakthrough. I pray for you to speak words of life, for you to be a song of hope, for you to quiet with your love, and for you to be a megaphone in their ear that we are not alone, they are not alone. Would you be more near than anything to those in our, in our community struggling right now? Thank you, Jesus. God, I also pray for those struggling to make you their refuge. So many competing things. God, would you open the eyes of us when we're blind? When we have uh, lost sight, lost hope, believed too many lies, would you awaken the truth? And God, I pray for those taking any step toward you to make you their refuge today. Would you build up the road? Build it up. Remove every obstacle for just that next step, Lord. I pray for momentum for us going toward you as our refuge this year. Jesus, thank you that you are very present. Help us be alive and awake together as a community. In Jesus' name, amen.